Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ladies. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. A um, little bit of a tough act to follow. Look, I, um, I feel... Thank you. Um, I feel uniquely unqualified to be up here. Um, I'm a battleground of sin. Um, <laughs> the other messages, they pretty positive. Mine might not be quite so. Um, it's, it's not a light message um, because it's, I guess, to, to connect with you, to really connect with you, I need to tell you why. I need to, something deeper, um, otherwise it's probably doing a disservice to the opportunity. Um, might be the only one. In fact, after Nate's heard me, it almost certainly will be the only one. Um, I don't have a broad Christian experience. I don't read my Bible as much as I should. Um, so I'm basically just going to tell you what happened. Um, why I believe, how I came to believe. I get emotional when I'm tired. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. And it's also fairly deep stuff. Like this is, for those that, uh, I mean, I've known most of you now for about three and a half years. Some of this Kira might not have heard. Um, well, this book, do you know that, that book? Have I talked about that one? The Personal Promise Pocketbook? Maybe not. Um, so this here is called The Personal Promise Pocketbook. It was, it's funky uh, rainbow colour on the front. It was published in the 70s. So you can, you know the sort. Um, brings out all kinds of little scriptures and say that they apply to you. I'm just going to put my timer on, Nate, because I know we spoke about timing before. Um, Stopwatch, go. Um, so at the beginning of the book, it's described to Mike. Mike was my dad, who I miss. Um, I was his only child. He died just before I turned four by his own hand. I remember sitting on a bike in the doorway of this little duplex in Queen's Park with training wheels on, watching my mum getting increasingly panicky and my sister, 14 years old, giving him CPR and mouth to mouth. Remember standing in the next door neighbour's house, flashing lights, not realising the gravity of what's happening, seeing a body bag wheeled out. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up, I mean, it all makes sense in the end. I'll get there. Um, anyway, my sister gave me this book about two days after I was standing at the Claremont train station listening to a train come in and nearly going there in my mind, right to the edge. I was tired, I was in pain, mental pain, anguish, I hadn't slept for about three days and I just wanted rest. And if you've ever heard of people who, they talk about that dark time, it's about rest and just wanting it to stop. And I went there, I looked there, I looked over the edge in my mind and it was black. It was dark. I didn't jump. I looked. I pulled back. I walked away. The moment was gone. Nothing like that has ever happened to me before or since. Um, I think now that my great and powerful friend pulled me back. Um, but what was happening at the time was I didn't know. So this is the overarching word of what I'm going to talk about, truth. I didn't know the truth. Um, in my ears was this lie. It was difficult to know that it was a lie at the time because it spoke to me in my own voice. 
and it said things like, you're alone. You're utterly alone. You've gone too far. What I'd planned for you, you've stuffed that up. In fact, it didn't say stuffed. It said something else that I'm not going to say in church. It said no more chances. It said not you. It said never you. Who the hell do you think you are? So I'm going to talk about three fundamental lies. The first one is you're alone. Second one is death is the end. And the third one is you've gone too far and done too much. I'm going to talk about how I know, how I came to know that they became lies, that they are lies. The first lie, you're alone. You're in this thing alone. So around that time, I remember I used to have these episodes at work. Um, About three o'clock on a Friday, I just start to get this yawning chasm of emptiness in me. Didn't know what it was. I couldn't put a name on it. Um, Why is this happening? It was happening more and more. It was getting stronger and stronger. It was like a a hollowness. Like I I couldn't work it out. Um, I know now in hindsight that it was loneliness. So what I used to do is I'd leave work at five, pretend that I was going to this weekend I was looking forward to, and I'd sit in a bar or I would pick up two cartons of beer and I would that weekend not speak to another human and drink myself into oblivion and pretend that I wasn't disconnected from everyone else. Um, It was like there was this barrier between me and you and it had always been there looking back since I was a kid. I don't know what put it there. I know that me and choices that I made helped build it Um, but I just couldn't connect I was lonely in the deepest sense. I could be around people, I could be around friends, but there was something missing. I was empty. Um, And if I saw you in the street, there is no way I would say hello. I wouldn't even look you in the eye. Um, In my worst times, I thought people could see what I was thinking and judging me for it. So the first thing I'm going to read, so there's me, 3 a.m., lying in my bed, my sister's spare room. She gives me this. That was my dad's, and she tells me that this was dad's. I mean, absolute mental anguish. And I opened it. And Jesse, um, I think the first one is John 14, 18. So it's just a series of little promises. And I took this stuff seriously. All right, right, let's see what's in here. The first one. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesse, next one. Genesis 28, 15. So these are all one after the other. I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you. Until I've done what I've promised you. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And Isaiah 43.1. Do not fear for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. And the next slide, Jesse. Back one. So I don't know the context of how this was said. Well, not as much as Nate, but I do know that God's words to Israel apply to us. As I understand it, we're his people. I knew that that much. I'm not Catholic, but I went to a Catholic school. I had my ears open for some of it. Christ brought God to the Gentiles, and I took that as a promise. The Bible's supposed to be true, right? People told me it was true. God's not supposed to make promises that he can't keep, and right there is a promise. You are mine. So I thought I'd put him to the test. (laughs) 
Well, so people say, don't put God to the test, right? But that's not the same as relying on God. So God said it. So I should be able to rely on it, right? So the whole, whole thing's based on what Jesus said being true, Scripture, the Bible. So I'm entitled to rely on it. So that's how I started thinking. God's saying that. He will not leave me alone. He will rescue me. And God, show me. So I'm entitled to ask for that as a son of God and expect it to be upheld. He's a responsibility to me and to you. So I encourage you, if you're there, and see, I know all you guys, most of you, so this, I'm talking to someone listening on the podcast, perhaps. Tell God and then stand back and watch him work. And if it's anything like what it was in my life, just be ready. It might not go exactly as planned and it won't be comfortable, but it'll be for your best. Next slide, Jesse. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So run to him. Make him protect you. He said he would rely on it and make him. The second lie, death is the end. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. Um, I hope I don't confuse you but one of my favorite authors is this south african author called jm kutsia he lives in adelaide now he wrote all these books he wrote this series of memoir third one's called summertime it's about growing up in south africa and in the uh, south african desert called the karoo he in this book there's two characters they're talking to each other um there's a scene where one of them is saying talking to a girl or a woman who he knew as a child growing up and he refers to someone called Eugene Murray, who I looked up as a South African naturalist. Anyway, this is, that's what the following passage is about. And uh, one character says to the other, Have you read the book by Eugene Murray about the year he spent observing a baboon troop? He writes that at nightfall, when the troop stopped foraging and watched the sun go down, he could detect in the eyes of the older baboons the stirrings of melancholy, the birth of a first awareness of their own mortality. And she says, is that what the sunset makes you think of, mortality? Him. No, but I can't help remembering the first conversation you and I had, the first meaningful conversation. We must have been six years old. I was unburdening my heart to you, telling you everything, my hopes and longings. She says, what has that got to do with Eugene Murray? He says, simply that I understood what the old male baboon was thinking as he watched the sun go down. The troop leader, the one Murray was closest to, never again. He was thinking, just one life and then never again. Never, never, never. Now, I was glad I knew more about the truth when I read that because it scared the crap out of me. The idea that I'm a cosmic accident, coming from nowhere, heading nowhere, shortly burn out, never to be repeated, ending forever. What if things haven't gone as you... They haven't turned out quite as you planned. What if those dreams you had when you were young, hadn't quite materialised. A lot of things you'd like to have done, you know that realistically, deep down, they're probably not going to happen. So we hear sometimes a lot of stuff about, you know, it's never too old. Um, we love stories of geriatrics running marathons, um, people having second careers, that kind of thing. But what if you are too old? What if that's not real? What if circumstances and things in our control or out of them We've let them slip by. A particular career, what if they're big, getting married, having kids? I know it's an easy thing for me to say. I've got a beautiful wife sitting in the front row. I've got two lovely, healthy kids in kids' church. But believe me when I say, 
I'm being serious. They're not my everything. They're not my reason. They are a fantastic bonus. So the truth is we're never meant to be fulfilled in this life. Never meant to do these things. Our destiny is coming in the next life. That's our destiny and that's our calling. Jesse, for God so loved the world, we all know this, that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. 2 Timothy 1.10. It's been revealed through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, brought life and immortality to light. John 10.28. I gave them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And 1 Corinthians, he will swallow, 1553, he will swallow them up, up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. So this is true. One life, yes, but not in the way the baboons were thinking. The third lie, I've gone too far and I've done too much. So all this stuff, it sounds all right, yeah. But what if, like me, you were thinking, I've gone too far and I've stuffed up too much. What if I've basically turned my back on God at every turn? I've hurt people, literally said and done things that would shock all of you in my desperation. Now my best years are behind me and I've blown more chances than most people get in their lives. And what if I feel less than other people? Does God love me? Does he love me the way that he loves others? You know the others. Does he love me the way that he loves those others in the church that I felt judged by. Not all of them did judge me, some did, um, but a lot of it was in my heart. But there are judgmental people in church, just like anywhere else, because we're made up of humans, of course. I know that now. I felt that coming to God meant saying that those people were right, those things that they said and thought about me. They may have been coming from a place of love, but it had the opposite effect on me. Um, anyway, I needed to see and hear the truth for myself. And can he save me and does he love me just as much as others? Jesse, uh, Hebrews 7.25. I'll stop saying Jesse. I'll trust you to just follow it along. <laughs> Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And Romans 8.38.39, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And Isaiah 43.4, And I love you. So if you're a non-Christian, you might be thinking that I've just played one of those tricks on you again. I've assumed a premise. So in classical logic, um, I'd say, someone would say that I've begged the question. I've uh, basically means in making an argument, my premise has assumed the truth of the conclusion instead of supporting it. So have I done that by making claims to truth by pointing to the Bible? I've presupposed that the Bible is true. What if you don't believe that? Well, my challenge would be to do what I did. Try it and see. He has said you can believe it. Try it. What have you got to lose? Nothing changes. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to take your old life back. 
measure it against what you've got to gain. My life changed dramatically when I turned my will and my life over to the care of God. There's a fellowship of people um, called Alcoholics Anonymous, which I may or may not be familiar with, remembering what the second A stands for. If I was a member of that fellowship and knew their 12 steps intimately, I would know that step three is made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Um, My life changed dramatically and remarkably outside and in since I took that step. It wasn't easy. Remember that alone person that I spoke about, the the, the barrier separating me from you? So the next next slide is a photo of a man called Mike. Mike's a retired police officer in New York City. This was taken about 14 years ago. Lovely man. So I met Mike on a park bench in Battery Park. It's the tip of Manhattan Island, New York City, where I was travelling by myself. Four months after I took that step, I struck up a conversation with a stranger on a park bench in the biggest and some say loneliest city in the world, and we spoke for an hour and a half. Uh We left friends. That thing that had separated me from my fellows was gone. From you, it was gone. The thing that had separated me from Kira was gone. The thing that separated me from my future children was gone. I have, I had and I have a great and powerful friend and he has never left me. He has promised to never leave me and he never has. You can come and ask me the signs I've seen. I don't talk about it much but you can come and ask me. Rainbows and whales say that and I'm being literal. I'm being literal. If you want to hear that story come and see me. This is all because I turned my life and my will over to the care of God and then asked him to show me. If you want that, if you want what I'm talking about, I would invite you to take that step with me. Um, Whether you're already a Christian or you're not, you just want to take the step and see without, you know, in a quiet and safe way without um, anything further, I guess, at, at present and see if anything changes. It's not easy and it doesn't feel easy. Um, This step was bitter in my mouth. This prayer, if done genuinely, it felt like failure. That was pride. That was self. It's not your friend. It speaks to you in your voice, but it's not your friend. Anyway, if you'd like to take this step, I'm going to do this prayer now. If you'd like to take it with me, please close your eyes and bow your heads. God, I give to you all of me. I hold nothing back. I want to know the truth. I want to know what you have for me. I turn over to you all my hopes and dreams and wishes, my ambitions, all the things I want for my life. I turn over to you and release them. Take them away. My hopes and desires, they are yours. Fill me with what you would have me do, how you would have me live. I am yours and I offer my life to you to do what you will. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.